The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. This is the PKD Black Box, episode 17. This week's episode is brought to you by Supershowapproved.com. At Supershowapproved.com, a website created by Dave DeWanch and a handful of creators who intend to be at the 2010 Comic Geek Speak Super Show, Supershowapproved.com celebrates Comic Geek Speak in its own way by spotlighting the creators brought together by the Comic Geek Speak podcast. You can check out the site at Supershowapproved.com. Once again, that's Supershowapproved.com. Welcome back to the PKD Black Box. I'm your host, Sean Pryor, a.k.a. Stan Leroy. The road to Super Show continues for us here at PKD Media. We're prepping for our first big convention of the season, the CGS Super Show in Reading, Pennsylvania. But as we do that, we always got entertainment for you. Uh, Coming up, um, myself and my good buddy Donnie Salvo, we do a little bit of movie talk and classic television talk. And if we got time, we might squeeze in a book review or two. And then after that, I am joined with a comics creator, writer, podcaster, and organizer of the website Supershowapproved.com, Dave DeWanch. You might know Dave DeWanch from his webcomic Space Time Condo, as well as his current comic that's on the internet right now called Back in the Day. And if you don't know, you should know. You can go to SpaceTimeCondo.com to check that out. We go also behind the scenes because he is a comics creator. We talk about the comics creation process. We talk about how <laughs> the difficulty sometimes of trying to get our books out in con- at conventions. We also talk about the latest uh, current trend of Hollywood um, superstars and actors and actresses uh, coming out with their own comic books with various publishers. So it's, it's a really good show. So I hope you really enjoy it. It's a nice, meaty show just for you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Yeah, there's a full-length trailer for The Losers. This might be the first movie from Dark Castle Entertainment that makes money. Yeah, that looks good, man. That looks really good. I didn't know that uh, Idris Elba's in the film. Who's that? That's that's the brother that's playing Heimdall in Thor. He's from uh, The Wire. Oh, really? Yeah, let me double-check that just to make sure, because I don't want to say one thing like, oh, I was wrong. I'm mistaking a brother for another brother, and that, that sounds bad on my part. That trailer looked great. I like it. That looks like it's just going to be a stupid, fun little action movie, man. Yes. I think I think what we're going to see is all of a sudden there's a resurgence of these stupid ass little like I said a long time ago, it is the return of the 80s action film. Thing is that a lot of these young cats are used to the somber Matt Damonish action heroes from the Bourne Identity. Now don't get me wrong, the Bourne Identity, Jason Bourne will whoop your ass, okay? Let let me make that clear. But it's not it's, he's not your typical action hero. The, Matt Damon can jump from the Bourne Identity and then do something like the informant. So he's not a straight up action hero. He can do action, but he's not he can do it, but he can do other things. We you know whereas in the 80s if you're a Schwarzenegger, you're pretty much doing an action film. If you tried to do something like Junior, everybody laughed at you. Right. What did you say the dude's name was? I thought it was, I don't say the Columbus Shore. And I was trying to find the other brother in here. I may be wrong. Oh, here he is. Idris Elba. He's playing Rock. R-O-Q-U-E. He was uh, Stringer Bell. in. Oh, the, here it is. Right. Okay. He was also in a couple episodes of The Office uh, last year, too. So he's the one that uh, is playing Heimdall in Thor 
which made a lot of fanboys lose their fucking minds because a black dude is playing a f- fictional Norse god. Um, how, could, how could they do that? <laughs> In this day and age. Uh, we damn near the Jetsons, and we st- and folks still go lose their fucking minds over something as small as Heimdall. I can understand if somebody said, you know what, let's make The Rock Thor. And I'm like, you know... Even me, I got my limitations. And that's where I would stop. Bad enough the dude is playing the Tooth Fairy right now. No, that would be a reach, okay? But I just look at the Tooth Fairy, I'm like, you know what? I hope the kids enjoy this, but uh, I can't do it. <laughs> what, the rock and the tutu? It don't do it. I, I, can't, I can't do it, you know, I, I just can't. I mean, I was cool with the rundown. I was cool with Walking Tall. Pretty much any movie he's been in with the exception of Doom, Although I did laugh the one scene in Doom where, you know, the monsters were dragging him away and like he looks at the camera and he's like, I'm not supposed to die. And I just I just fell out laughing. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, dude, you're going to die. Spoiler alert for anybody who actually wanted to watch Doom, the movie. It's terrible. That was in my queue. Son I'm, of a bitch. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It was nowhere near. No. Have you ever seen Be Cool? It was a sequel to Get Shorty. Yes. He was funny in Be Cool. I thought he was Oh, he's hilarious. a funny dude. He is a funny dude cuz uh the first time he hosted uh Saturday Night Live, man, I was on the floor. Nickatrell. That's right. <laughs> you get your hands off my wife, Nickatrell. You don't talk to Nickatrell like that. Good <laughs> man, back off. I'm not smoking. <laughs> <laughs> he was going to smoke these, Sharon. <laughs> See the previews for Death at a Funeral? Yes, I have. Dude, I'm sorry. That looks funny as hell. Well, there's nothing to be sorry about. I know people have complained that, you know, they're remaking a film that isn't that old. I, it, to me, it looks funny. It looks inter- it looks entertaining enough for me that it makes me say, hey, I want to go. Plus, it's not every day you get Chris Rock and Martin Lawrence and Tracy Morgan and all these people together in one movie. And Cyclops. Yes. Zoe Zaldana in that, too? You bet your ass. <laughs> yeah, that's why you want to go see the movie. That's right. Because let me let's put it this way. All right, Martin made a couple of good movies. He hasn't made, he hasn't made a good movie in a long time. No, when you're taking when you're taking college road trips with Raven Simone, it's not a good time for your career. But when Raven could cut that paycheck, you will take it. Because if Raven would have called oh, your shit. ass, you'd have been like, Hell yeah! Yep. Come on, daughter, let's go. <laughs> Yep, you'd have put on that. You'd have put on that. You know that outfit and that hat, and you would have acted a fool for ninety minutes. I would have dressed like Big Mama. <laughs> See, now the conversation has to stop there. And uh, Chris Rock too does not have a good uh, track record. Yeah, he is a phenomenal stand-up comic, man. Phenomenal. A very nice guy too. Really nice guy. Very down to earth. Doesn't have his nose up in the air. But his movies just uh, suck. Yeah, a lot, of and, his, a lot of his movies have been have been really bad. And I'm but Tracy Morgan's just crazy. Tracy, and I'll tell you that personal experience. Tracy is crazy. Really crazy. De- define crazy. Okay, we did a show at Stand Up New York in New York City. Okay, there was seven of us. Tracy Morgan was the headliner, and we're just hanging outside and we're just talking and whatever. And then for no reason at all, this is this is before. 30 Rock really took off, and he forgot who I was. Okay. But we're going to get into that because I'm not bitter. Anyway, um, <laughs> he, he's in the middle of Broadway going, buy the Tracy Morgan Best Saturday Night Live DVD on the top of his lungs, man. Just stopping people on the street, scaring old white people. <laughs> he is like that. Dude, and that's the reason why I, why I want to watch Cop Out. 
Oh, I want to see that too. I'll watch anything he's in because he's 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 fucking insane. No, see, I'm looking over some of Chris Rock's movies right now. The movies where he's had bit parts, like The Longest Yard, I'm cool with that. You know, the voiceover stuff from Madagascar and Pookie. Be- <laughs> We're not going to talk about New Jack City right now. Why? <laughs> because every time somebody brings up New Jack City and Pookie, what's the first image that pops in your head? Him in that um room with all the chicks with the titties. <laughs> but bes- besides that, <laughs> him with the turkey. Yes, him with the turkey. <laughs> oh. But to me, one of his funniest roles was in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, where yep. he was the director for that movie. And his what was his name? His name was Shaka Luther King. <laughs> yes. And he was angry. Somebody whole- gonna get sued. <laughs> That you know, he was that was that was hilarious. When he does the bit part stuff, it's cool. Yeah, but, he can't um, really carry a movie though. No, because I don't think he, he he hasn't had the right film. He hasn't had the proper film tailored to him. Head of State could have been really good, but it became heavy handed and message heavy. So a lot of the comedic part of the film was lost. You, you can't use I think I love my wife because. He was really trying to be serious in that movie, even though it's technically a dark comedy, but still a serious film at the same time. You don't right. you don't really see Chris Rock in that light. You, you don't. You know, the most serious anybody's really seen Chris Rock was is when he played you know, a drug addict in New Jack City. And that was, you know, a really big turn for him because he was just straight up comedy before that. So you've never really had that proper transition transition film for him. I think he does really well with ensemble pieces, but he hasn't had a lot of ensemble pieces. Because he was cool in, in uh, Lethal Weapon 4. And that, you know, we all know, we all know that movie's a hot-ass mess. <laughs> Come on, man. What are you talking about? Danny Glover and Mel Gibson combined age 400 versus a younger Jet Lee. They both would have died. Because they're too old for that shit. <laughs> exactly. And that's why there never needs to be a Lethal Weapon 5. Anyway. Well, actually, you know what? Chris Rock was good in CB4. That's that was a good movie, but that was just making fun of NWA. Yeah. That's all that movie was, but so if you're a fan of NWA, if you're in the uh, Manhattan area mm-hmm. in, in New York City, uh, go to the Comedy Cellar, you know, like a Wednesday to Friday night, and you might see Chris Rock just sitting there. What? Yeah, he'll just sit there, and then he'll go up, and he'll do like a few minutes trying out new stuff. That's his favorite club to do that in. I've met him there a couple of times. He's a good guy. Wow. He really is a good guy. Won't give me a job, but he's a good guy. <laughs> Chris Rock and Eddie Murphy were supposed to do a movie together a couple years ago, and supposedly it got greenlit, and then it just disappeared. Well, it says, I brought up his IMDb page, and he said he's got in, in production right now, Richard Pryor, is it something I said? Hold Marlon Wayans is playing Richard Pryor. Yeah, I heard about that. Well, you know Eddie Murphy originally had that, though. That role was, I, Eddie, that role was Eddie Murphy's, and then something happened to Eddie, and Eddie Murphy walked out. And that's disgusting. But you know what? As much as people dog Marlon Wayans, I bet you bottom dollar, he turns out that performance. I bet you. I, and, I, and I know when people think of Marlon Wayans, what's the first thing they think? They think about white chicks and the movie where he was like that CGI little boy or whatever. I know, and that stuff's flat out terrible. I got two words for you when it comes to Marlon Wayans. What's that? Dungeons and... Dragons, which is three words, sorry. That's yet another thing we're not supposed to talk about on this show. <laughs> you do not understand how much I wanted that movie to be good. It was improperly, it was poorly cast. Terrible story. How do you have, explain, Donnie, explain this to me. How do you have Jeremy Irons as the bad guy? Jeremy Irons. Who, who is the bad guy? 
can play a bad guy like nobody's business. How do you have Jeremy Irons in the film and the hero be Jimmy Olsen from the Dean Cain Superman show? Well, what's wrong with that? Dude, you can't market that. Yeah, all right. Well, somebody gave somebody a couple of million dollars to do it. Right? So, and it failed I, miserably. <laughs> I just want to hear, uh, I want you to hear what um, Marlon Wayans has in development. Okay. Scary Movie 5, The Year of Living Biblically, White Chicks 2. You're kidding. Nope. And Super Bad James Dynamite. <laughs> Oh, super bad uh, James Dynamite. That was a comic book that uh, the Wayne's brothers wrote, and it was an independent book. It came out a couple years ago. I bet you that got greenlit off the success of Black Dynamite. I bet you. Yeah, there's really nothing about it, so it must be really in the early stages of development. Oh, I'm sure it is, and I'm serious. If it wasn't for Black Dynamite's success... I want to see that. That's the one with Urkel, right? No, 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 no. No, you're thinking about Jalil White. This is Michael Jai White. Who played Spawn. Oh, right. Okay. All right. <laughs> Two different people for sure. What are you talking about? Spawn would have been an awesome Urkel, and Urkel would have been an awesome Spawn. That's the <laughs> title for this episode right there. Urkel Spawn. Sperkle. <laughs> <laughs> So you've been reading any books, man? Oh, yeah. This is a, like a comic book podcast. <laughs> no, no, man. That's the whole thing. People forget. Because like when some people listen to the show, they're like, well, you flipped from this to, to this. Why did you do that? I'm like, you can't pigeonhole this show. You can't. If I want to talk about Small Wonder, I'll talk about Small Wonder. No, you will not. Not with me. <laughs> yeah, see, that woke you up, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that was a, one of the worst shows ever. Shit lasted for four years. I'm IMDB in that right now. Four. You got them all on DVD, huh? No, actually, first season comes out from Shout Factory. I would not. Why do you it. know that, dude? Because There's some things you shouldn't know. Because I have Shout Factory on my Twitter, and they let me know when everything drops. I am Vicky. That was Isn't that her name? Yeah, V-I-C-I. I'm trying to remember what it stood for, but I can't. There it is. Small Wonder, 1985 TV series. I can't believe that was four seasons long. Yep, and it almost it almost got a spinoff show. How the hell is it going to get a, sh a spinoff show? You know, I could go in detail, but I won't. Do it. Okay. No, so I want you to do because I want to know. Okay. It, there's, no, there's no way in hell. Yes, what was going on? I fucked with show business, so there's no way in hell that that thing would get a spinoff show. It, it almost got it. It actually almost had a spinoff show. The spinoff show was called Built to Last. What happened was was that in the Small Wonder series, and the reason why I know this is because I watched this show religiously as a kid. Vicky had a robotic evil sister. I think her name was like Veronica or something like that. I can't remember fully. Well, that show was going to feature her with her new family. And it was called Built to Last, and they decided not to do it at the last minute. That role was also played by Tiffany Brissett as well, the, the, the evil twin. Oh, my God. What? Brian Awesome Green played Gary in two episodes. That's right. He's Brian Awesome Green. Metallo. Uh, 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 uh. Metallo from Smallville was Gary on two episodes of The Small Wonder. I want to know how many people right now, raise your hands at your offices or at home, thought that when you downloaded this podcast <laughs> and listened to it, you would get all the latest news on The Small Wonder franchise. Oh, Lark Voorhees was two episodes on that show, too. Are you talking about Girl from Saved by the Bell? Yes, I am. She played Binky. All right. Done with Small Wonder talk. <laughs> we're done with small one to talk. Why? Why you gotta be that way? <laughs> no, we do. You we brought don't. it up. Wait, no. You're the one that's excited. It's out on DVD. I'm and not. First off, why are you putting words in my mouth? <laughs> why are you putting words in my mouth? <laughs>
see, my <laughs> my comic books, my love for G.I. Joe, and love for cartoons came with me. Small wonder got left back in another state. Oh, wait, I got to ask you something. Talk to me. What was the other shitty show that was on with Small Wonder? Remember, there was two of them. It was like an hour thing, like an hour block. I don't know. See, because where I lived, it was syndicated, and it would come on Friday nights on our one of our local ABC affiliates. So we would only get Small Wonder. We wouldn't get the other show. I can't remember. I remember it was another crappy, uh, another crappy sitcom that was like that. No, I'm serious, man. I can't remember for for the life of me because it was like a a woman you and it had to do had to do with an alien. Oh, you talking about out of this world? Yes. <laughs> Hang on, times. <laughs> you think I'm playing? That was out of this world. When's that coming out on DVD? <laughs> hey, man, that shit's probably out on DVD right now. Holy um, shit, dude! This piece of shit show was on for four years. Hopefully, there's some kind of exec out there listening to this. How? How? Can this show and the other show last for four years? I can't even get a gig. <laughs> I can't even get a walk-on role. Ninety-six episodes. Yes. I'm trying to look and see if anybody famous came at it. Burt Reynolds, shut up. <laughs> that can't be the same one. It is. He was in all 96 episodes? Yeah, because... He played Troy Garland. Yeah, he was the voice. See, yes, he was a voice. Because he... No, no. Because what happened was was that he was never he was never on TV. Because what happened was was that Evie, the daughter, because that's right, the father was an alien, this crystal... Mm-hmm. That when it opened up, she could talk to her dad, and, and that was Burt Reynolds' voice. Do not ask me how I know that shit. I watched a lot of TV as a child, so there you go. That's all I'm going to say. Power power podcasting at its finest, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, she's going to be a 90210. I don't, I, why I, am I talking about this? I know. I don't know why you're talking about Where are we? <laughs> all right. I read you. We are going to get the train back on the track. I read the the, the trade of Chew. You can give spoilers. Look, there may be spoilers, people. So by all means, spill. No, no, I won't. I'm not gonna. I'll just give you my opinion. I'm not gonna tell you about the story any because I want you to get your own, you know, deal okay. out. I like the art. I think of a very serious art style for this book would not have fit it. So I like I like the art. I think that this was kind of uh, blown up for me. Everybody was telling me it was like the best thing since sliced bread and bottled beer. And don't get me wrong, it's a good, good story. But it's kind of like you know how you like your expectations are probably at a, at an eleven. Yeah. Something comes up as like a seven or eight, and you feel a little bit disappointed. That's how I felt. But I did like the story. So, you understand what I mean? No, no, no I understand. What you you you've heard so much hype that right. it just no matter what, it couldn't fail. You know, for you in your eyes, in your mind, it couldn't fail. And then you read it, and the hype that that was built up inside of you did not come out after after reading the whole thing. Right. So no, understand. It's kind of like kind of like when I went to go see um, Batman Returns back in the day, and everybody's telling me it was the best Batman movie ever. And I went there and I watched it, and I just said, "Did he just send out an army of penguins with fucking missiles strapped to their backs?" <laughs> Yes. This is the best movie ever because that's <laughs> why we watch shit like this. <laughs> no. Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken was the shit. He's always the shit. Uh, I watched Joe Dirt because of Christopher Walken. You know what? Then you know, there's some things, honestly, you really need to keep to yourself. 
Um, you know, we were you, talking about comics, weren't we? Yes, yes, we were. And I'm once again back on the track. <laughs> back on the track. I, I do want to read you the, the premise. The premise for Chew is interesting. I, you know, I don't know because I, I know it's not cannibalism as much as it is just bizarre. You know, a dude can take a bite out of you know a bite out of somebody or something like that, and can recall all this information. You know, and he can't eat uh, certain foods because it will talk back to him, or it will literally you know he'll have the whole lifespan of the food go through his mind or whatever. And there's only like one kind of food he can eat, right? It's like beets or something like that. Yeah. Okay. He can't eat any any other food. Okay. It, it's only beets. It it seriously. I know. I this one once again. I need to read it. It's just that it's not pulling to me. As strongly as it's pulling to everybody else, I do love the fact that it is an original concept, though. I give right. Matt, I give Matt props to that. So I will give it a chance, though. I just right now it's just not on my it's not on my radar as of this moment. I I do recognize it though. Oh, I got a load of uh, back issue magazines from Tomorrow's Publishing, and I've actually been reading a few of those. And I and the one I've been currently reading is. Issue number five. This is from like April of 2005. It has a um, some behind the scenes on the Marvel comic Star Wars run, and they have an uh-huh. interview. They interview Roy Thomas. Nice. And Roy talked about his time doing the original the original Star Wars series, like the uh, the you know the, the limited series before the actual movie, and then it turned into a regular full length comic. And when he, when they, when Marvel went back to him, because actually, long story short, Roy Thomas was the one that went back to Stan Lee and told Stan Lee, "We've got to do this comic book." Because Stan Lee wasn't real hype about getting backing a licensed property, you know, for Marvel. He thought it wouldn't sell. He thought it would not work. And Roy Thomas was one of the ones that spearheaded the movement um, by saying, "Look, these guys want to do it. I say we should do it. This is going to work." And lo and behold, hey. Lasted over over a hundred issues. So, um, but Roy Thomas was on the original run. He did the movie adaptation. Then, then he did a few issues afterwards. And he wanted, you know, he focused more on Han Solo and didn't really do anything with Luke's character. Luke's character wasn't there at all in the beginning. And you, like I said, like we talked about in a previous episode, he had the green space bunny. Up before, and the thing is, Lucas was cool with Roy Thomas the whole time until Roy Thomas brought in the green space bunny Jackson. Once that happened, Lucas started coming in saying, you know what, I'm not really feeling this. Um, you might want to change this. I'm not really feeling this. And Roy was like, I'm done. Yeah. So he left, but then, you know, it moved on. They got, you know, they got more people. They got different people to do the book. And, oh, I mean, and it still it still, lasts, still lasts a very long time. He talked about the transitions of how, um, you know, how they had to prep the book and get it ready for Empire Strikes Back. So they had to do a lead-in for Empire and how they had to do a lead-in for Return. And how they how they made it all work, and they have they talk with uh, Archie Goodwin, they talk with Louise Simonson, um, they talk with um, I think it's uh, they they also talk with Jam uh, they talk with uh, Jam DeMatteis, they talk with him, and they and with Jam DeMatteis they talk about how he wrote a story that um, he wrote a story about a pacifist. There's this guy on this this guy who's a pacifist that refuses to fight the Empire. Because he's a pacifist, and in the end he gets killed. Well, Lucas didn't like that, and DeMatteis was so nervous that that would damage his career. He put a fictional he put a, a fictional name for the writer on that story. Really? Yes. I'm telling you, back issue number five, number nine in April 2005. 
really great issue, and it has um, it also talks about uh, Magnolia, Mike Magnolia's and uh, Jim Starlin's Cosmic Odyssey that they did for DC years ago. Um, let's see who else do they talk to? They they got some uh, gr- some like flashbacks on Grimjack. They have an interview with Steve Rude and Mike Barron on Nexus, and there's also some Gil Kane artwork in the book. I love back issue. I mean, not every not every issue is a hit, but you know, nine times out of ten, this book is off the hook. You you really can't go wrong. You can't. So if you get a chance, you know, because I know tomorrow sells a back issue. They also sell it digitally as PDFs, and they also still have paper copies at the tomorrow's website. So and you can also order them through previews or whatever. But yeah, this issue is dope, and I, and I'm I'm salty at myself for for waiting so long to get these and read them. Yeah, I've been kind of on the fence about them myself. So you're gonna make me buy something else, aren't you? That's what I do, man. I thought you That's knew. What you do, yeah. No, I know. You know, and, and you know, and I'm hoping that this passes on to other people so they get hip to it. So, but until then, I mean, one of us got to go broke. It might as well be me. Fuck it. I'm <laughs> I'm already broke. I publish comics. So I'm already. <laughs> I've known this gentleman uh, for a few years. We first met face-to-face at the uh, Pittsburgh Comic-Con back in 2007. He gave me the coolest Black Panther sketch I've ever seen in my entire life. And from that moment, I knew that me and this dude would be good friends for basically from here on out. Uh, he's a gentleman, a scholar, an artist, knows all about scummery and whatnot. He is a podcaster, a writer. He is a comics king, in my opinion. Ladies and gentlemen, Dave DeWatch. Well, coming from fucking Stan Leroy, that's that's uh, awesome. Thank you for the uh, the kind words, sir. Hey, hey, you're welcome, man. Hey, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it. Now, I'm your I'm your Jack Kirby. We we met cheek to cheek, ass to ass, in a in a Pittsburgh bar. <laughs> yes. They, give him give him the deleted scenes to that story. Oh. We got pissed. We got pissed drunk. Our wives don't know about it. Oh, oh awesome. yeah, yeah. We can, yeah. we kind of keep that. We kind of keep that secret. I I, I learned. The, from the first time I met you, when we got at the bar at the Pittsburgh Comic Con, that uh, you liked Red Bull and vodka. Yeah, who doesn't? Come on. <laughs> and I just saw, I just saw like this little dude just like running back and forth, like at 100 miles an hour. I was like, that is Dave. He is tore up. Oh yeah, oh yeah. There, there are pictures of that night on, uh, on my Facebook for sure. That's awesome. That was good, good times for sure. It's real good times now. For those that don't know, and if you don't know about Dave, you know, this is the time that you should know. And he's got a lot of things jumping off right now. We're going to start with the basics first. Can you tell the people about the podcast that you do with your crew called The Geek Savants? Uh, do I have to? Um, it's, uh, it's a show, basically, uh, the, the hosts of the show, me, Super Ugly, Grant Miller, and Brian Roberts, we've all known each other for, God, years. I mean, Grant and Super Ugly go back from when they were, I think, seven, six, six years old. And then I met those two in high school. Brian I've known since I was 13. I, I used to work at a comic shop, and Brian was one of my regular customers. And, um, and so we, we just have this really great relationship, and on air it really translates uh, really well because we talk a lot about our personal lives and our hopes and our dreams and our, our failures and, just, and comics and porn and whatever the hell we, you know, is going on in our lives. It boils down to a good you know, weekly 
you know, scumbag show about, about an hour and a half, two hours long every week. And uh, we've been going for like three years strong, never missed a week, man. It's crazy. See, to me, it's like, imagine if Attack of the Show was funny and cool. That's what the game with cuss words and dirtiness. And it, if they knew what they were talking about and weren't being cue carded in, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yes, that is. Oh, the I'm talking shit. See, I'm already. Oh, can I swear? I didn't even know if I should swear on the show. You can swear on this show, man. I, I got the explicit. Uh, yes. I, <laughs> I got the explicit tag for a reason. Come on, man. My last name's Pryor. I, I know it. I know it, man. I know it. I'm surprised you're not doing cocaine right now, too. I don't know. You know. I mean, your last name is Pryor. So. Hey, hey, man. Look, I got to stay clean somehow. <laughs> I, I got to stay look. I got to stay clean to make these comics, man. Try to make some money. I mean, you know, cocaine, you lose money. Yeah, yeah, prior stands for prior arrests, okay? <laughs> you are crazy. Now, on the comic side, you've also had some stuff published, some stuff um, that's been out in the direct market, and you also have um, a webcomic jumping off. So can you tell I'm working about on it, that? I'm working on it as we speak, man. Seriously, I'm, uh, I'm working on season two of Space Time Condo. Um, uh, crap, where do you want me to start? you want me to start at the beginning or you want me to start at the end? Because it's all pretty boring. <laughs> no, dude. I tell you. I tell you what. Why don't you? Why don't you tell us what's going on now and tell us about the past? Okay. Uh, all right. I'll start with Space Time Condo. I've been I've been doing this web comic for a good uh, year and a half. Well, no, maybe not a year and a half. Maybe a good year and, and two or three months. And uh, it's basically I'm a, a huge DC fan, so it's set in DC's crisis in 1985. And I don't know if people know about this. See, I've been subtly hinting to it, so I'm gonna kind of drop a few. Uh, Bombs on your show. Not F-bombs, but actual like spoilers. It's basically about a guy. He's a scientist who sees that the crisis is going on and all these uh, parallel Earths are getting eaten by some kind of you know white force that's just kind of going through the multiverse. So he decides to save a bunch of different versions of himself. They're all living in uh, what would be considered DC's bleed, which is basically a, a space in between universes that exists wholly on its own. And he's safe from the crisis. So he's basically saving himself. And eventually, uh, what's going to happen is this group of ragtag parallel universe versions of the same guy are going to have to get together and combat the crisis on Infinite Earths. There, I just dropped it. I don't <laughs> think anyone knows about that. No. And it's a comedy. It's, it's nice because they're, they are all the same guy, but because they're from parallel Earths, you get to write them completely different. I mean, yes, they all kind of look the same. They all kind of have the same mannerisms. And you'll notice a lot of the same kind of dialogue going out, but with different delivery. It's a lot of fun. I mean, I, I came up with this one at the, the last Super Show. It was 2008. And uh, we were all sitting around the bar, and I'm like, I'm going to write a webcomic, and I'm going to make it a, a fake sitcom about, you know, and basically it is a, it's a situation comedy. That's what I'm, I'm writing. I'm like, I'm going to write it as if it was real. And so what I did was I based this in a, uh, a it's it's a fictional Canadian TV show that I'm playing and trying to sell off as real. So with every new page that comes out every week, you get a Wikipedia page entry about the actual show. And I've taken like photos of my friends from the '90s and and uh, photoshopped them into into weird little uh, collages from the actual show. And those so you'll, those teen beat covers are classic. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you know what? It's funny. I just like putting my friends in fucked up positions. Like, I, you know, I mean, like, you will notice, like, if you scan through my hard drive, you'd find pictures of Super Ugly, uh, you know, Super Ugly's face on a dead hooker's body, for sure. So, I mean, this is just, it's just fun and games, you know, and, and uh, I'm having a lot of fun. And, you know, it's interesting because I'm writing it as if it was a TV show. So it's got a laugh track and it's got beats like a, like a sitcom would. It's a completely different writing style than you would think, you know. Um, there's no 
real captions in it. It's it's all told through dialogue and movement. There's no real narration at all. And, so and there's also a sitcom canned laughter. Yeah. Yeah, I may I may be dropping that for season two because the whole the whole gimmick was season one ended uh, unceremoniously. It was canceled. It was left on a huge cliffhanger that never went anywhere. And and that the cliffhanger at the end of season one was the gatekeeper, the guy who's been gathering these griffins. They're they're griffin griffins are the name of the guy is actually a griffin. And that was the season finale. It wasn't even a season finale. There were supposed to be a couple more episodes, but the show never. Uh, continued you know it got canceled in canada so the whole idea now is i was a storyboard on that show and or storyboard artist on that show and now i'm continuing the epic story of these uh, griffins so it's a lot of fun it's it's probably the most involved thing i've ever written though you know i mean like i've thought this out way more than i thought out any other you know i obsess about this stupid show you know oh and then i'm working on back in the day with dan logan which is my next uh, graphic novel. Uh, he's handling the uh, penciling and inking, and I'm writing and, and uh, doing the grayscale on it. And uh, it's a nice buddy time travel graphic novel. It's only 64 pages. You'll be very amazed at how much we get done in 64 pages. Oh, yeah. Oh, see, Daniel's a talented dude, man. Like, he's working on XO1 and the Rock Salt Steel Bots for us. Hey, you can't go wrong with Daniel. The guy is consistent as hell, and he's fast, and he really he takes direction really well, which is something that you know when you're working in the indie market like we are. Sometimes it's like you feel like you have to take what you get. Do you know what I mean? Like something yeah. will come in and you're like, ah, it really wasn't what I wanted, and you're like, well, fuck it, I really I couldn't pay this guy, so I can't really complain, right? Right. Daniel's the guy is like, man, if you don't like something, just let me know because I'm sure that I'll be able to redraw it and we'll get it the way you want it. And he's. He's really giving in that way mm-hmm. and other ways too, but that's the whole, that's a convention story thing that we <laughs> go into later. Oh, yeah. and then I worked on Special Ed, which was my first Forge miniseries, and Gnome, uh, which was my 64 page graphic novel. And then uh, I've worked for you, I've worked for uh, Angry Gnome Comics, I've worked for uh, Zach Cruzy for Mystery Solved. I've done, I've done a ton of crap. Just not crap, guys. I'm sorry. I don't mean to call <laughs> your stuff crap, but I've done a ton of shit, and I don't mean to call your stuff shit either, but you get the point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's it's good times, man. Oh, oh, most definitely. For those that haven't read Space Time Condo, you need to read the uh, you need to read the web comic for two care actually for three characters alone: Flamboyant Griffin, G Dog Griffin, and the Cow Griffin. Oh, the Cow Griffin. And <laughs> and I, I I will not give anything away, but there is one there's one strip up where I, I don't I don't know how you work this out, Dave, but. You had like this little uh, mini slideshow presentation, and you played Climax's I Miss You. That is the funniest shit. Um, you know what's funny is I, I did those musical episodes, is what I'm going I'm to call them, but you know, th- those pages where it's shit that you can't do in regular comics. It's like you, you have a, a scene in your head, and you know this as a writer. Sometimes it's set to music in your mind, right? And you're like, fuck, I really wish I could have this song included in here. Well, in the webcomic, it's kind of cool. I, I did that three times in the in the uh, season. The first one I did a Queen song, the second one was an Oingo Boingo song, and then the Climax song. But what I did was I took this corkboard image and I started posting Polaroids on it, In uh, and I made it an animated GIF for Jeff or however the hell you say it. So each Polaroid told a story, and then uh, below that I had a, a thing that said, you know, play this music in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, counting down. And you play the music and the actual images are set to the music. So you get the full experience of what a musical montage would have been on this TV show. Right. You know, and that's the whole point is 
you can't really tell the passage of time. And when you're doing a, a webcomic week to week, it's hard enough to get people to come back week to week. So I, I, I felt like I had to do something, you know, if, if time jumped two months ahead in a scene, I had to show that somehow. Yeah. I didn't want to just say two months later, you know, so I'd set those, those long transitions to music and it worked out really well. And to me, that's, you know, it's very interactive and I actually enjoy that more than a motion comic. Oh, really? Well, that's that again is high praise, and I, I think you're lying. No, but. <laughs> no, no, I'm not lying. See, okay, I got issues. Well, I have issues with a lot of motion comics because, to me, there isn't that much of a difference between a lot of this was a lot of these motion comics and what Marvel did back in the '60s with their uh, Marvel animation superhero stuff, where it was basically they take a, a panel from the comic, move it left or right, and the only thing that really moved was the mouth. Oh, I hear you. I hear you. And there are some people there are some people that actually do a decent job with it. I mean, you look at some of those Anaboom contests, and there are some people, I mean, you swear that it's just straight-up animation. It's not even stuff that's taken from the comic, but it is. And there are some that can make it look beautiful. But for the most part, a lot of it is extremely disappointing, and there's been little progression. Right. So, right. but when you can give me, like, you know, like I said, a corkboard with, like, pictures just coming in and music on point, that works better for me because you're able to tell a story in under a minute, whereas opposed to some motion comics that they are, like, some of the ones in... And I don't mean to take this in a bad way, and I hope they don't, but, but like Conflicts.com or Conflicts.net, they can take something and like run it for two or three minutes, and you're completely bored. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, but it's just personal, it's just personal opinion. It's perfect personal preference. You know, art is subjective anyway. So, but that's how I feel about it. But no, you do a real good job with it for real. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Oh, yeah. And if you guys want to see a preview, well, it's not even a preview. It's a recap of season one. Go to YouTube and just type in Space Time, Space time condominium and you will find the trailer for season one which is set to music it's a lot of fun it's a, it's a big spoof and uh you know i'm, I'm really big on uh, on sci-fi shows and i think that you guys will dig it Word. You know, like I know, that we will both be at the Comic Geek Speak Super Show um, March uh, 27th and 28th in uh, Reading, Pennsylvania. And you got some stuff going on in conjunction with the Super Show. Um, and you got a website called supershowapproved.com. Um, now, what's that all about? I've talked about it a little bit on the show, but I figured that I would get the head honcho of Super Show oh, Approved dude, on the, the show. <laughs> head honcho head honcho my ass i'm just i'm a facilitator man okay. i don't really i'm not really uh running i don't i'm not really running anything mainly because i don't have time to run anything but um yeah it's basically uh well again hearkening back to 2008 when we were at the super show bar uh talking about my you know space time condo and and then you and i got together and we were talking about uh opening some kind of studio or some kind of uh, label for all of the artists and friends of ours that we know, kind of like a networking tool. Mm. Uh, and I said, well, you know, we're all going to be at Super Show next year, which didn't happen because Super Show skipped a year. But um, it was one of those things where I was like, well, maybe next year we'll start something uh, where we can uh, network all of our friends together. And that's basically what Super Show approved is. We have, um, you know, and not just exclusively our friends. I shouldn't say that. It started with our friends. But I opened up it up to everyone on the forums and said, look, we've got this movement. Uh, it's for Super Show. It, we're, we want to focus on some of the lesser-known artists and some of the up-and-comers that you know people might not be familiar with and kind of unify us under one banner. And that banner is 100% Super Show approved. Um, and 
it started with me, uh, you, Chad Ciccone, the Chad, uh, Andrew Charpar, and then Sean and Steph Gabarin from Angry Nome Comics. And since then, it's grown. Uh, we added Dan uh, Capitamini, and uh, who else? We, we got Kevin Freeman, Erica Hesse, Zach Cruze, uh, the guys from Resolution Comics, Mike Schwartz. Um, you know, and, and uh, basically anyone that we knew was that was coming out with a book before Super Show 2010, we created a logo and we said, look, put this imprint in your book just to help promote the Super Show itself and to promote the site where everyone can find all of our work. And uh, so, you know, I mean, it's a pretty bare bones website, but if you go there, there's a checklist of all the books that have the logo in it. Uh, there are interviews from creators like Sean Pryor, the, you know, the Stan Leroy's of us. Um, Angry Gnome had a, uh, an interview. Uh, who else had it? Hesse had an interview. Zach Cruzy had an interview. And then uh, Scott Bradley from Resolution Comics. Um, you know, I ran short on time. I was going to have uh, Kevin Freeman in there, too, and I was going to have you interview me. But it's just gotten to the point now where we're scrambling around so hard to get to the Super Show. I don't mm -hmm. think there's going to be much more I'm going to add to it. But we also have uh, sponsorships, and I know that you've talked about the sponsorships on your show. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and that you know that was all facilitated through Super Show approved. Uh, getting the word out saying, look, if you want to sponsor any of the creators on Super Show approved, um, you know, the, we're taking money out of our pockets to come to the Super Show. If you could lend us a, a, you know, a few dollars to get our tables in order, to get promotional material and whatnot. So we've got a few sponsorships from uh, you know, listeners of CGS and fans of our books. So that worked out really well. And, and you know, I think that if we continue this and, uh, and the Super Show continues to move forward and grow, uh, I think that this is going to be a huge thing for a lot of up-and-coming artists. Oh, no Not question. so much you and me, I mean, because we... We already rule the universe. They just don't know it, right? I mean, right. Yeah. We're, oh, well, well, I like to say that we're like the naughty uncles that sneak in and touch you without you knowing it, but then we know. We know. Okay? We know that we touch you. Yes. You don't have to know. God, I'm so dirty. See? Why are you putting me on this show? Dave. Why are you doing it? <laughs> I, you know, if it's not dirty, it's not Dave. Supershowapproved.com. For those once again that don't um, that don't you know know about some of the people that will be attending the CGS Super Show, um, it's going to be a blast. Tons of people there, tons of artists, tons of cool comics you've probably never heard of, and just a good time all together. And trust me, for the most part, everybody is there. Nice people. You can, oh, yeah. you know, you know, social skills and communication all about. Please believe. Stop by and see Dave. Stop by and see us. Everybody, trust me, it's a real good time. So no. Yeah, and also visit Super Show Approved. Uh, we do have exclusive books that are only going to be available at Super Show. And uh, our pricing is different. You know, our, our uh, retail pricing has been lowered for the Super Show on a lot of books. Mm -hmm. So go through there and check out the checklist for sure. And, and you know, I mean, we've got detailed uh, solicitations for these books. And you can see if it's something that you'd be interested in. And if you're going to the Super Show, uh, look us up because we do have some promotions. If you buy five or more books, uh, you basically get a free sketch from one of the Super Show approved artists. And I think all of us, I want to say all of us, have committed to about five free sketches. Yes. So what you need to do is you need to get there early, grab your checklist, which we will have at the front desk, go through and find the books that you want. Uh, you know, have the artist initial the checklist, and then uh, you know when you get to that final person, the fifth person, hand over the checklist and get your sketch request in there. And like I said, if you want a sketch from me, you got to get there early because well, and everyone, everyone involved. But I mean, you got to get there early. You got to buy your books. You got to get on their list because you're only we're only guaranteeing five spots each. Right. 
And then for the, the CGS listeners that aren't showing up uh, but still want to support CGS, purchase a ticket. I believe it's only 20 bucks. If you do, you get, in, you get entered into a drawing for uh, a Super Show approved care package. We have three care packages. Each one's worth over $75. And it's basically the, the Super Show approved library. If you can't make it to the show, at least we're going to give you a big chunk of the show uh, you know, by showing your support. That is if you get picked. I'm not sure how many people are actually going to enter this drawing. Now, there's a good chance that if you uh, buy a ticket and let Brian Deemer know that you want to be entered into the contest, that uh, you may win. You may go home with some swag. Hey, swag never hurts. You may stay at home and get swag, I should say. It's even better. It just shows up at your door. That's right. It, it, we, we got it all worked out for you. You just need to just go to supershowapproved.com, check everything out. You will not be disappointed. And, you know, and if you can't make the show and you still want to be down, by all means, buy a ticket that puts you in for the, for the raffle. And, um, you know, maybe you might win some swag. So please believe it's going to be a good time. I just can't believe it's creeping up on us so fast, man. I swear yesterday was like January 1st. It's touching you like a like a midnight uncle, dude. It's it's yeah. coming up on you, dude. Yes, it is, and that's nasty. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's really gonna get the kids to go to Super Show, right? It's like yeah. your dirty uncle that wants to touch you in the middle of the night. No, no, no. Remember that time at the Pittsburgh Comic Con in 2008, where it was my first show. It's my it was my first con ever behind a table, and you and Super Ugly are kind of like catty, like a kind of catty corner to me and there was this um mother and child uh that were that were at they were at my booth and i was you know they were interested in my books and they're like well is there any other type of kid-friendly comics out and you had gnome out at the time right and i point out and like i was telling the lady i was like yeah there's a gentleman by the name of david wants he's right over there he's got a book called gnome it's all ages friendly it's a fantasy adventure book and i point to you and, the, and they both turn around and you look at me and you give me the finger Oh yeah, it looked like I was giving them the finger. It was awesome. I was like, it was oh. awesome. Was like, yeah, oh yeah, God. yeah. Buy my kid friendly book. By the way, I'm gonna fucking flip the bird while I while you buy it. How you like that? Uh, um, yeah, that was good times. Well, you know, it's funny because right after that, I felt terrible. They didn't even stop by my my table. They they were like, okay, that guy's an asshole. And uh, so I, I ran him down and 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 gave him a book for free. And they were really really thankful. And uh, you know, I apologized. I was like, look, I'm really sorry about that. We we're really good friends, and we like to have fun at the shows. And you know, I didn't really mean to flip you off per se. Oh, She's like, oh no no, don't worry about it. Oh no, I thought the shit was. I mean, I thought it was funny. I mean, like hindsight is just like, oh. But at the same time, it's like it was funny, though, because it's like you didn't you didn't expect, you know, me to like say, oh, hey, go over there and go check them out. And yeah, that was some funny stuff, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was good times. I mean, you know, and I think that we're going to have more stories from Super Show 2010. And I hope that, oh, I mean, it's a safe bet that that some of your listeners, if not all of your listeners, listen to the, you know, the godfathers of us, the fucking CGS. And they, they maybe they're making plans to, to go to the show. So hopefully this will help out and give them a little bit more information on some of the the, you know the good stuff that's going to be at the show. Now I really think the show is going to be great. Like I know for us, you know, besides Heroes Con, this is our biggest convention of the year. Um, you, you know what I mean? So um, for for me at least, you know, for for PKD Media at least, this is a real big deal for us. Hoping for a gr- for a, for a great turnout and a great show. <laughs> Now I gotta ask you a question though. Now that I've got, now that I'm on your show, I'm gonna interview you. What uh, what is your the likelihood of you doing a San Diego? And what's your opinion of San Diego? I guess is another good one too. Okay, cool. I, I will answer both questions. My opinion of San Diego is this: it's freaking huge, which kind of scares me. 
Now, I'll be honest okay. when, when I say that. It kind of scares me. Um, you know, the whole Hollywood presence, that's been going on for a while. I understand that, and I can, and I can deal with that. Financially, I'd have to put myself in such a spot to understand that that convention is going to be a, hopefully a loss leader. And if I go on with that mindset because I'm not an artist and I'm just a, you know, a writer slash creator you know, slash publisher, I really have to sit and look about look at how much money I'm willing to lose to go out there. Right. That's what right. It com- that's what it comes down to. I mean, unless unless I, you know, I take the time to learn how to draw and, you know, and go back to that because I haven't done that in over 20 years to try to build a craft. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm kind of I want to get our name out there. And I think San Diego will be great, but it's just I know I would lose a ton of money. So I really just need to find out how much I would lose in order to go. I want to try it one time. I mean, I heard like, I mean, a lot of people gave their stories about last year's San Diego Comic-Con, which literally, I'll be honest with you, it completely just turned me off from the show. Right. You, right. You, you know, I mean, like the whole debacle with the Mattel stuff, especially with the with the Masters of the Universe art book, which I'll never be able to get. That's another story. I talk about that shit all the time. Anyway, but like the crazy lines, you know, and like say, for instance, like indie, indie cats like you and other people folks walking up with those big free bags of swag thinking that everything is free that's my oh yeah that's that's my other problem too i mean come on now let's be real you can't have everything for free but then again we've catered you know we've catered society into a you know everything's you know and into a state of everything's free and some somewhere somebody else will pay for it type deal but in the end you know guys like me and you can't give stuff away Right. We get we got bills to pay. You know, we got to at least try to cover some of our costs. I want to do it, but I'll be honest with you, I will go to WonderCon before I go to San Diego. Yeah, that's fair though. I mean, you know, the the problem is is I think that at a show like San Diego, like you said, everything is it's about the free shit. It's about the the announcements. It's about, you know, it's it's not about uh, the comics per se anymore. I, you know, I've, I've gone in, in several capacities. You know, I've gone with your, the artist alley table. I've gone with the small press table. I've gone with my publisher, uh, at super real graphics, you know, I, it, it's, and I've gone as a fan and I'll tell you what, I don't even know if it's enjoyable as a fan, as a fan of comic books. It's kind of a tough show because I mean, you can't walk anywhere. It's fucking crowded. Everyone stinks. Yeah, fucking. I mean, you know, you know that con funk. I mean, times that by a hundred. It's ridiculous, you know. Um, and then you've got uh, you've got you know the the free the people that only want free shit when you're at a table. Um, and then you're at a table and no one really wants to stop and and talk to you because they're too busy trying to get to something big. Right. It's always about the next big thing. It's never about the little guy at that show. You know. Yeah, I understand for some people. This is, you know, for some like indie publishers, small press people, this is their chance to get their property in front of like some Hollywood folks. But for me, because like I've I've studied the industry for like a decade and there are a lot of things I know. And there's still a lot of things I don't understand, but I'm still but I am learning as I go um, as far as, uh, you know, the film and television and animation industry goes. But they're only in my mind, they're only a set list of people I really want to deal with because I've heard so many horror stories. Right. And I'm like, well, can I do that from where I am at now? I mean, really, let's let's think about it. You know, Robert Kirkman lives in the same state I do. He lives somewhere in Kentucky, just like me. You know? I'd be I'd be fucking I'd be sneaking into his fucking room like a midnight uncle. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, Kirkman, what's up, buddy? And and you know, look, I mean, Walking Dead got greenlit by AMC. Yeah. 
Image is behind it, and I'm sure Image had a very strong presence at San Diego. But still, but still, seriously, think about it, though. I mean, that was something that was created here in this state. You know, and granted, like I said, Image was behind it, so that definitely helped out a ton. But still, he was able to create that here. Right, right. You know, well, and, you know, okay. that's the thing, though, too, is how often does lightning strike anyway? I mean, it, honestly, getting a fucking pitch actually to completion. I mean, see, that's the thing is, yes, he's got the pilot coming. We don't have a release date on it. We don't know when it's going to happen. We just know it's getting filmed, or I don't even think it's been filmed yet. So, I mean, between point A and point E, a billion things could go wrong with this fucking thing. Right. So, honestly, even even with the clout that he has, it's still like, you know, lightning striking you. You yeah. know, it, it could barely, it, you, there's a very slim chance of it actually get going through. And I'm, I'm at this stage also with, with media and everything as far as like comics television film video games and whatnot I, i'm really starting to think we're about to hit this era and we've kind of hit it already but it start i think it's about to blow up in the next two or three years you're really going to see like an emergence of just people getting together and building from within and just basically putting the content out there and it will be extremely extremely professional and they'll make money hand over fist and there will be no hollywood involvement at all and i mean it's already started it's already started slowly and surely it's already started i mean like you got stuff like projects coming up like the mercury men which looks like a old uh throwback 50s or 60s series but like you know with modern film it's it's very beautiful it's very well put together i think you're going to start to get more original content from people and say you know what we can make paper off of this and we can be financially successful without without hollywood and i'm not saying that hollywood is evil okay i'm not i'm not, try, I'm not trying to say that but what i'm trying to say is, is that i think we're going to start having more people taking this into their own hands especially with the prices of technology to do this type of stuff dropping right i agree i agree totally <laughs> you know you've been on the indie comic side you've been on the small press side you've been on the in the direct market how is your experience you know hopping in and out and all around all those types of uh, markets well you know the thing is is i've been lucky enough to trick i'm going to use the word trick uh, a bunch <laughs> of publishers into, into publishing my stuff so it's been very low stress for me i can understand how it'd be stressful on the money side of things but i thankfully have not had to deal with that but you know consequentially i've not made that much money at it either you know so you know I've, I've made i made a few dollars here and there i can't i can't lie but for the most part it's it's payment up front when it comes to my projects i expect no, no returns right i just do what i do because i want to do it you know and part of the problem with you know taking on more work is if i do take on other people's projects i feel like while you know, it may be a valid project. It may be something that I enjoy. It's still taking me away from my project, which I'm not yes. getting paid for. Um, so if you're going to take me away from something, you need to pony up a little bit of cash. And so it's been a, a pleasant experience working for other people. Um, a lot of times I'm like, hey, just buy my beer at the next con. And trust <laughs> me, sometimes that's probably more money than I would have gotten paid at a page rate. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, my wife's probably in there looking at me like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um <laughs> But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been good. It's been fun. Uh, it's a lot of work, and I mean, you know how it is. You're yeah. you're a self starter, and it, you know, some days it's it's hard to hard to stay motivated and to to work through the frustration of it. You know, I mean, when Gnome came out, I called every 
I got, you know, I got those 99 cent, you know, um, call Mexico for a penny a, a minute type, you know, phone cards. Yeah. Dude, I called Alaska. I called every state in the fucking, you know, in the country just fucking trying to promote the book. And uh, it really didn't translate to much. Mm. And, you know, a lot of the frustration from that came from Diamond mishandling the book. They called it a one shot. They didn't call it a graphic novel. They didn't say it was for all ages. They just basically, you know, sandwiched it between two things where there were ads flanking me from both of the projects. So I was like the lone guy kind of in the middle Mm -hmm. with no real uh, support from Diamond, which, you know, whatever. It's not their job to um, look after me. You know what I mean? They've got to cover their own asses. So, uh, but you know, there was a little frustration there for sure. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I mean, if they label your book properly as all ages, I'm sure that would have helped, though. Well, right. In fact, there were a ton of, uh, you know, I, I contacted a ton of people and they were like, it doesn't say all ages here. And I'm like, well, yeah, I know they didn't, they didn't say it was all ages, but it is, trust me. You know, so we, we, we played that game with a lot of stars, but I mean, at the same time at a five ninety nine price point, it's not like stores are going to order more than one or two copies. Correct. So while we did all right in the, in the, uh, direct market, it didn't light the world on fire and it didn't light the world on fire for the very reason that they can't afford to stock the shelves with a, an, you know, an untapped or, you know, and it, it's, it's basically like an unknown commodity. And that's why I decided to do space time condo on the web first is yeah. I wanted people to, you know, the proofs in the pudding. And if you're not going to give people a little taste of that, what's the point? Yeah. You know? No, oh, yeah. Especially now. I mean, I can understand back in, you know, back 20 years ago, there was no other way to get a comic out to somebody unless you put something out in print, whether it be a, a, a mini comic or a full size comic. You know, you and then there was no print on demand 20 years ago. So, right. you know, you had to go in and either print it yourself or, you know, make a financial sacrifice. But now with the, you know, with the advent of the Internet, it's, it's really it's really easy to give folks a taste. Right, right, and you know, and that's the thing too. I mean, we don't know how it's going to shake out with the uh, the iPad and whatnot. I know it's a, it's a, a hot button topic or whatnot, but you know, you don't know how it's going to turn out. It's going to be very, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I don't think it's going to take over the market or anything, but it's definitely going to um, just be another avenue for independent people to get their stuff out there. Oh, no questions. I've seen it, and the, but see, the big question will be, well, will places like like Longbox and Comixology, Comics XP, Panel Fly, will they be more accepting of indie comics? I know they they'll take some indie publishers, but those indie publishers to me aren't really indie publishers because one they've been around for a while and they've got like, you know, big names doing stuff. So, right. will it will it come to a time where they'll say, you know, we'll accept you guys too. So what you're saying is the Goon and uh, books at Dark Horse aren't necessarily indie books. They they do have backing and they will have distribution in the direct market. So it's not, you know, what you're saying is, is will they accept indies that aren't being put out through Diamond? Right. Or will they, will they fight for that dollar? I don't, you know, personally, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I think that if they do, it's going to have to be something that uh, – has been proven in some form or, or another, something that's been big on the web, something that, um, you know, something that, 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 uh, that has some kind of buzz behind it. They're not just going to take Joe Blow's comic and say, all right, it's, you know, it's not going to be an open source stream. You know what I mean? You're, no. you're going to have to fight for it still because the, the problem with comics is everyone can do them. The great thing and the worst thing about comic books is everyone can do them. So you've got awesome shit and, you, and, and then you've got bottom of the barrel crap and they're all fighting for the same dollar and they're all basically represented in the same way in the indie section. And you don't know what the fuck is what, you know? Yeah. So, 
Yeah, it, it's, it's a tough battle for sure. It's an uphill climb. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to call out all the people that suck. You all suck. Stop. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, and buy my book while you're at it. Uh, <laughs> see, see, ladies and gentlemen, Dave DeWanch has never been known to curb his words. That's what makes Dave Dave. Yeah, nor my enthusiasm for chocolate. Uh, <laughs> now, I know you're at Super Show this year. You're at WonderCon. Um, what other shows are you doing this year? Heroes, Con, and I may, if my wife lets me go, um, I'm looking at her right now. Um, hey, baby. Hey. Um, <laughs> if she lets me go to San Diego, I may go for a day or two just to hang out, but not really to, to hawk my wares so much, you know. I went to, the, uh, I went to a couple parties last year and uh, made a, a bunch of connections that were really, really, you know, they're not, not only were they good to have, but they were just good people. Mm-hmm. So hopefully I can, I can catch back up with some people that I met last year. That's, that's, that's cool. the main reason to go, you know. That is cool. No, and like you got peeps, like say for instance, um, is it Justin Greenwood that works on Resurrection? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've known him since he was a little boy, though. I've known him since he didn't have pubes. So, um, <laughs> long time, long time. Um, yeah, yeah. He used to come into the shop again. The, the shop I used to work at uh, was Crush Comics in Castro Valley, and he uh, conveniently located on Castro Valley Boulevard. He used to come in and just shop, and he would always come to me and say, "Hey, we should work on a book together." And I was like. Yeah, you know, that'd be great, man. That'd be awesome. I would love to. And then, like, he would leave and I'd be like, that guy probably sucks. <laughs> like, I always do. And it uh, turns out, no, he didn't suck. He was really good. And I should have worked with him. But uh, we actually did work on a couple pitches. And uh, one of the pitches, we pitched to Oni. And they were just really big fans of... They were, they were fans of the project, but more so they were fans of Justin's art. So when they came calling for... Uh, an art job on resurrection with Guggenheim. He he had to he had to take it, man. You know. Oh no question. Oh yeah, and yeah. Not, you know, because I I do honestly like I I like what what um what Ani's doing. Um, you know, I got a couple issues of Resurrection. I do dig it. I do like it. Um, I think I, I reviewed an issue or two on like a on like a previous episodes. I got a copy of You Have Killed Me uh, on the way. I I like Oni's diversity because they got all types of stuff, but they don't shove it in your face. And right. It's just they have a really good way of, you know, presenting the materials that they have. And I, I kind of wish more people would get hip on them. But speaking well, you, of... Oh, go, you, know go what I, you know what I like about, uh, about Oni is, okay, it's funny because they do a lot of mainstreamy type books. They don't, they don't necessarily do, you know, I mean, yes, they have the Scott Pilgrims and yes, they have uh, a couple of, you know, like, I want to call them low budgie indie books, right? But for the most part, they do a lot of big mass market books, books that are really well received. But yet they still retain that indie cred. And we were talking earlier about how we could go to an ape or a, or a what, what's another one of the Mocha? Is, a, is that an indie show? Uh, yeah, Mocha is an indie show, yes. Yeah, we could go to those and people would be like, ah, you're a little too mainstream for me. And it's not like we are mainstream. It's just we – that's what we grew up with. Right. So that's kind of the the – Mindset. It's kind of like the uh, I, I don't know. I, you know how to, how to describe it, but we come from the mainstream sensibility, and so even though we do indie books, you know there may be a cape in there. Maybe someone has some superpowers. Maybe I'm dealing with DC's crisis in a in a really funny way. You know, but that doesn't make us any less indie. We're right. still trying like everyone else. Oh yeah, but well, well that's that's what I, I like to call comic segrega- segregation. 
Um, okay. It's, it's, it's sometimes it's a spot and a feeling of you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Right. Because like I just know coming up, coming up as a kid like you, with all the with all the media that we grew up on, like all the cartoons we grew up on, all the TV shows we grew up on, plus that compounded with all the comics we read, and because you know you've got you know you've done this publishing stuff you know for years. I got a publishing background. I always like want to present things in a way that just says, you know, look, this just this just isn't an indie or small press book. This is well put together. Because if right. I if I give it to you and it looks like hot garbage, why should you buy it? Right. You know, but like I, I feel at the same time that I shouldn't get punished for that. Well, you know, and that's the thing though too, is is like a lot of times I'll buy an indie book and I'm like, Oh yeah, it's a good premise and the cover looks great and, and all that shit, and then I open it up and I'm like, Wow, someone just fucking threw up on this in, in the interiors on this fucking on this book, right? Yeah. And I feel like lied to. You know what I mean? I feel like I, I bought into something and was wanted to be a part of something on the ground floor and I was basically lied to. You know, and to me, if I'm anything, I'm consistent, you know, and I may not be your cup of tea, Jamie D. I'm looking at you, but, <laughs> Stop. you know, there, there is a level of quality there. And uh, I'm sorry that sometimes, you know, sometimes I think people like that hand stapled shit a little too much and I don't get it. Yeah, we'll see. Throw that out there. And, uh, and that's all right. I mean, my whole thing is I feel bad for cats that are writers that are trying to get into the game. Oh, stop feeling bad for yourself. Come on. No. You, man, you tripping. No. But, like, a lot of the dudes are just like, you know what? I have these. I do have these ideas. I want to get out there, and I need to collaborate with somebody. And for for those people, it's like, look, I just want the story out there. And the art might not be great, so it doesn't really get noticed. But the story may actually be good. So what else can they do but hook hook people with, like, a tight-ass cover and, you know, and and a nice story premise? Then you read it, you're just like, oh, this art just took me out of the story altogether. Right. And you know, and another thing that too, we talked about earlier is, is, uh, you can't really tell your artist to redraw shit when they're doing it for free. You exactly. know what I mean? No, Even no, no, if no, you no, want no. them to. So. Like I'm coming up in like a couple of months. It was supposed to come out in April, but it's just not going to happen. It's either going to be May or June. Got a superhero anthology comic coming out. Original superheroes created by me, various art styles, and it's in full color. So this is going to be a all new experience for me. And I'm really scared as to how people are going to take this because somebody might see it and Zach Cruzy broke it down best. We we'd interviewed him a while a while ago, and the episode should be playing sometime soon. I just have to edit it. Where he had his book out, The Contingent. He had The Contingent out, and a lady came up to his table and said, where's Batman? Who are these people? Wow. Yeah. I get kind of nervous about that, man. But see, that's the whole thing. If people have been inundated with licensed properties, but I try to explain to people, there was a period of time where nobody knew who the hell Batman was. Right. They all started from nothing. And then they become something, and then they become part of the literary comic canon. And then, you know, then they're in your ear and in your eye every single day. But it's just that maybe people are just, they, they see the Batmans, the Spider-Mans, the Supermans, and they've been around forever, and they've had financial backing, commercials, toys, and whatnot, and they can't get past that. It's, it's amazing, because when I put Special Ed out the first time, uh, you know, I went to a, I thought it was a decent book, and, you know, it got, it got decent press and whatnot, but... Uh, it was one of those things where selling it to that crowd was impossible. They would not look at it at all. They were like, oh, I don't read superhero stuff. I don't do it. I'm like, all right, what do you read true life stuff? I'm like, all right, well, that, that's cool, man. You know, I mean, different strokes for different folks and all, but. Right. You know. but, but, not, but not, I mean, as much as I like slice of life stuff, I can't read that every single day. Yeah. You know, I got to mix up my palate. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, it just, it just, it, it's just, it frustrates me. But hey, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't love it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, though, is, is it honestly comes from a place in your heart, though, and, and, and it shows. It's just 
getting people to part with their money is a tough thing. And, and, and I understand that too, because I'm cheap. I'm notoriously cheap. When I go to shows, I barely buy anything anymore. You know, it's like, unless I'm getting a deal on some mainstream stuff, I don't really want to buy it. I'll, you know what I do is when I go to shows, I look for the rare gems, the, the indie stuff that, that no one else has seen. And I like to talk about that stuff because I think that those are the unsung heroes, you know? Speaking of which, what happened to the dude that was doing the Society of Unordinary Ladies or something like that? Un, yeah, the Unordinary, unordinary Young Ladies. Yes. Uh, it's, he's still working on it. I think he's got one, I think it's one more issue. He did the third issue of that. Um, the problem is, is his, uh, his website is very, very sketchy. Like I don't really get it. Um, and he was very afraid because I mean, for people that don't know the book and I'm sure that's a, a ton, but he, it's a book. It's basically like the league of extraordinary gentlemen only with eighties female characters from sitcoms. So mm-hmm. you had like all of the characters from, uh, was a facts of life who, who was in there. Small wonder, yep. you know, uh, punky Brewster, basically everyone. I mean, everyone that you can imagine is in this book and even Wednesday from, uh, the Adams family is in there, but, uh, it was a really good fun book and it's just, it comes out, you know, whenever you can get it out. I think it might be like every six months or so. So I'm not a, a strong web designer at all. I suck at it, but get some WordPress and some comic press going and just like break it down to chunks and put it out there for people to see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing is, is I, I think on the site itself, he does have little tabs for it. But every time I click on it, it like gives me the runaround. I'm like, wow, okay, this is not really easy to get to. And right. so it's tough. So whenever I see him, you know, he was at San Diego last year. I picked up issue three. I'm sure I'll see him at San Diego again or, or WonderCon. He's, he's a Bay Area guy. He lives like literally right down the street from where we used to record with the Geek Savants. Mm-hmm. So he, was, he sells his shit out of a liquor store that his parents own. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, he screen prints the covers and they're awesome. They're like really beautiful. And then the insides are just as beautiful. You know, different artists, but, but really amazing stuff if you can find it for sure. Well, did, you, did you pick those up or did you... Uh, no, 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 because see, everybody's talked about it, and I've been dying to read it. It's just that I didn't know how to get it. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, I, I'm pretty sure you can get them through his website, but I, I could be wrong. Okay. I think let, – let me, let me look real quick. Were you part of the Amazon uh, – the big Amazon price issue thing? Yes, I was. Uh, yes. Did you did you wind up getting anything? Or? I, I got I didn't get any I didn't get any books. I really wanted that uh, Secret Wars omnibus, but they gave me a twenty five dollar credit, and I bought a shitload of MP threes. Nice, nice. So you know, yeah. I, I'm not even. You know what, man? I ain't even mad about it. Yeah, I'm not either. I just don't like the way they dict they they dick you around and expect you to take it yeah. without uh, you know any dialogue between you and them. You know. Yeah. That's the only thing. Yeah, communication is always key, you know. But, like, I also look at it like this. With the number of people that I'm sure ordered stuff, I think that probably because those number, those, order, those orders were so massive and the number of people that ordered stuff were so massive, how do we fix this situation? Either way, we're going to piss people off, so just cancel everything. Right, right. And, and, and then slowly push out emails to people, giving them credits and, and whatnots i don't know man I, you know, it's no matter what happens i don't think people a lot of people will not be happy regardless right that's true that's true um so yeah the the website for wahab and the society it's just wahab uh algarmi it's w-a-h-a-b-a-l-g-a-r-m-i.com now I don't think he has a store on his site, but you can actually get previews of uh, the society. And uh, I'm sure you can contact him and he can mail that stuff out. That's cool. Worst case scenario, what I might do, when if you go to, back out to San Diego, I might just throw you some money and just ask you to pick up those books for me. 
Yeah, they're a little pricey. I mean, they're they're magazine size, and mm-hmm. and like I said, they're hand printed, but. They they are about ten bucks a piece, and uh, I think they're totally worth it. I don't know if everyone's going to feel like they're totally worth it, but I I definitely think if you're a fan of old stuff, I mean, like it's right up your alley. You know what I mean? Here's the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, because like you like me, we love comics and everything. Even Oni's got a book coming out like this, too, where actors and actresses that are, you know, pitching ideas to comic book publishers. And some of them are actually down with comics. I mean, they're down with they're down with them. And, you know, but some maybe and some might not be. But their involvement in getting essentially what may have been possibly a, a, a scrapped movie pitch and turning it into a comic starring them. How do you feel about stuff like that? I, well, as a okay, in, in which hat am I wearing? Am I wearing the hat of like a publisher? Or am I wearing the hat of a of a fan or an artist? You you can do all three if you want. I don't care. All right. Uh, okay. Fan. No, never would buy it. Don't even care what it is. Could be the best thing on the fucking planet, but I'd never buy it. Okay. Just flat out. Uh, publisher. Smart. I mean, you you get a built-in market. I mean, their chances are. Even if it's someone that was, uh, you know, a bit role on Buffy or whatever, or, or is the the Milo Ventimella guy from Heroes, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that audience for his, his audience is way huger than uh, comics. And you know, I mean, Oni, I th- no, it wasn't Oni. Was it IDW? One of those companies did one of his books. Um, I thought it was DDP that did one of his books. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It is. Uh, chances are his viewership is about 100,000 times bigger than any of GDP's books, right? I mean, right. with the exception of maybe Hackslash. We're, so, we're I mean, just, just moving to Image, by the way. Yeah, I heard. I heard. That's crazy. Um, it's like a very fear agent thing, moving from Image to Dark Horse. But, um, <laughs> you know, he, he's just looking for a bigger audience. That's why he's moving. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing for a publisher to do that. Now, as far as an artist, uh, yeah, whatever. I mean, would I love to draw? Probably. But would I have to draw likenesses? Yes, that would suck. You know, that, that would just be awful, <laughs> especially if I have to draw Milo Ventimello all day long. That would just drive me insane. But yeah, yeah, I mean, there you go. That, that, there, there's probably three standpoints on that. Uh, my, it, like, but for me, looking at it as a fan, mm-hmm. I just think it's a gimmick, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be bothered with it. Okay. I mean, do I need to buy a book by Jennifer Love Hewitt? No. Right. No, no, I understand where you're coming from. Like, with me, it's, it's 50-50. There's some there's some comics I look at like that and I'm like, you know what, your only thing you're trying to do, this is just a either something that you're doing as a way to pitch it as a movie later so you can use the comics uh, comics as storyboards, you know, for, for you know, for for Hollywood studios. And then there are those I feel that really just want to be in a comic and they, they and they just they want to do they want to have the experience of being in a comic. And just having fun with it. And there are a couple of people that like I'm cool with, and there are other ones I'm like, look, this just looks like hot garbage. I can't. I I, I just I, I can't. I, I who was that? Who was that dude uh, that that did that comic from Image? I can't even remember the name of it or what it was. Uh, God, see that that's how how much I paid attention to it. The dude that the the the, the dude that was in Transformers that did a comic. What was his name? You know, you know um, talking. talking about Tyrese. You talking about Mayhem? That's about right. Mayhem. That's right. Mayhem was Mayhem was okay. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was okay. I get now. See, here's the thing. I know a lot of people got upset with him, and I know like uh, I think MF Grimm left his team, his uh, his ad team, because the way they marketed it. But I look I looked at it like this: Com- the comics market is a very 
the direct market and the comics market in general is very bizarre to me. It is <laughs> possibly one of the weirdest retail markets I've ever seen in my entire life. It is disorganized, dysfunctional, and very inaccessible. So he was just like, screw it. I'm going to find a way to get as many people as possible to buy this comic, even if it means, even if it means having people call the stores and annoying them on the wrong day. I understand, I understand his effort, Tyrese's efforts. I understand his heart behind it. So, but at the same time, when he called that one store and, um, and I think it was Hibbs' store, I can't remember which one. And like, you know, but it, that was the same day where Hibbs had a very special guest at his store. Right. I can understand why, I can understand why Hibbs would be upset. But at the same time, you actually have people calling your store asking you for comics. It, right. You know, you know, but the comic itself is okay. It, it, it's okay, but I think if the market itself was a little bit was a little bit more organized and a little bit better, I think you wouldn't have you wouldn't have people trying to literally scream out every five minutes by mayhem, you know, in, right. order, for, in order for people to get you know to get its attention. I, I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was the greatest thing since, since sliced bread, but um, I mean, what is though, right? I mean, uh, oh, oh yeah, man, you throw some cheese on that, throw that on, on a skillet, Shit, grilled cheese sandwich, baby. Um, yeah, that's right. But you know, but stuff like. You know, Rashida Jones, who I'm a very big fan of, she's got a book coming out by Oni called, like, Frenemy of the State. I'm down to check that out because I know what kind of publisher Oni is. You know, with Boom Studios, they got that Samuel L. Jackson book called Cold Space. I like the premise. I like the art. I'll check that out. Now, say, for instance, something like IDW, they got a book with Michael Chilkis. No. No, no, no. You no, draw the line no. at Chiklis? Well, no, the thing is, I like, my, I, I like Chiklis, but I'm like, I look at the premise. I looked at the art. And I was just like, uh-uh. I'm like, this looks like something straight out of 1994. I cannot, I cannot buy this. I, I can't. I, I, just, I just can't. you got to find other ways to pull me into that. So, um, no, I, I couldn't deal with that. So I'm 50-50. Some stuff I'll deal with. Some, some stuff I just won't. Because you can just look at it and just say, oh, this is bad. Right, right. Well, see, to me, I, th I thought that the, that the uh, see, I already forgot his name, the Gibson book was kind of a throwback book, too. And I was like, ah, I don't really need to see that, you know? Um. But it just looked like a typical, you know, 90s image book to me. But right. that's just me. They went all out. I mean, he got Jim Lee to do, to do like an alternate cover. It got like all this hype behind it. For me, man, getting hype behind comics, if you're not Marvel or DC, that's a pretty big fucking deal. Right. I, you know, I mean, it's hard, and it's hard, to do, it's hard to do. My other question I got for you, as far as the big two goes, you know, they have a lot of books out. And they got like a lot of events and a lot of mini events and many, many events and one shots. I mean, there's one point where I think like Marvel was publishing up to like 80 books a month or something like that, or DC was. I can't remember which one, but they published shitloads of books a month. Do you think the market, their market would be better if they cut back on some of their titles and that way they'll give more people a chance to go look at the other stuff that they really have instead of people having to constantly pick and choose every month? I think that we, well, I don't know if, I don't know if you listened to that Brian Hibbs uh, episode of uh, Geek Speak, but he talked about it too. Like, do you really need a JSA, a second JSA book? Does anyone want that? Why, why would you do it? And it's just because they're hoping that they're going to get some residual money based on the popularity of the original book, right? Mm -hmm. um, I don't. The thing is, is the more product that's out there, the more uh, Marvel or DC stands to make. Uh, I don't know if that means they need to pick their projects better or maybe start uh, offering stuff, you know, the, the Marvel digital program, right? Right. Maybe start, maybe start um, by introducing books exclusively through that program. Get some money flowing into that channel. 
before wasting all of your money on print comics. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because all that's going to do is drive up the cost of, of comics, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. um, but at the same time, I mean, I don't know how many people are actually uh, reading comic books. And I don't know if they're really trying to direct their uh, their selling power to a growing market. Because honestly, we're all getting older. I mean, are they really trying to bring uh, a new generation into their mainstream books? I'm not talking about their kid books. Right. I'm talking about their mainstream books. So, I mean, if anything, maybe they should uh, do what DC tried to do with Blue Beetle. And uh, I think that that was mismarketed too, by the way. But Always extremely um, mismarketed. You know, if they had actually said, this is Spider-Man for the next generation, they could have gotten some uh, some more fans in that, into that book. Yeah, yeah n- nothing cracked me up more than DC deciding to cancel the book here comes Brave the Bold animated series. Very first episode. Look, it's Blue Beetle. It's Jaime. Hey, kids were like, hey, where can I find out more Jaime? Well, you can't because there's no book. Right. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Two, two years too late, right? Yeah. So, exactly. So, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the, the thing is, is I don't think that I think that the market's oversaturated. I, I agree with that. I think there's just too much going on, but it's not going to stop everyone from putting their books out. Okay, here's here's my here's a good question. That's a good one. We're both married. How does your wife feel about your com- your your uh, strange love of comic books? She understands it and she doesn't understand it. From like the PKD media side of things, she wants us to she wants it to do well, and she understands that it takes a couple years to actually try to make money off of something. Uh-huh. And, you know, and she's really helping me focus on turning this into a legitimate business and making it a limited liability corporation. She's really helping me push towards that so I can actually get some money back on all this stuff I've spent money on. You know right. what I mean? Because I need to do that. And she's really helping me focus on that because when I first started this, Dave, you know, like I know, I thought this was only going to be a hobby. Right. And then it turned into a beast. So she understands it at times and she does. I mean, sometimes like she'll be like flipping through the TV and she'll tell me to come here and see something for, for a second. It'll be some comic related or she's like, what's this about? You know, just as long as I don't get too in depth or get too blurty on it, you know, I'm good. If I get too, if I go too far and I see her eyes roll, that's why I know I need to stop. <laughs> that's a board. That, that, that's the, the boredom shark when yeah. their eyes roll to the back of their head. And they're like, Oh, done. Yeah, <laughs> I got it. I got it. You know, so I'm still trying to learn that balance, but you know, she's cool with it. And I, and I understand she has, she also has her, she's very supportive, but I understand why she has her doubts too, because you know, I mean, comics are pretty much the, I don't want to call it poor man's porn, but that's how it's looked upon. You know, people don't really fa- fancy reading and art as something sustainable. They don't respect it much. They just see it as something that's throwaway. So, right. and I understand her concern because she's like, well, what if this doesn't make any money? But she, but at the same time, she's like, you know, I want you to follow this dream and you're really working hard at it and you're not half-assing it. So just, just go. But it's going to come to a point where, you know, if she needs to pull me to the side and say, Sean, this ain't working. We really just need to reevaluate everything. And, I, and I'll understand that. I might not like it, but I understand it. That's why I'm working so hard so we never have to have that conversation. Uh, well, I mean, just from, from my end, it's just a very time-consuming process. Just, you know, being on the art side of things, it's, it's tough because, you know, we don't have any kids. But I can only imagine that when we do have kids, it's going to be a completely different situation, yeah. you know? My hands are tied, are, are, are tied up now as is. I mean, because, like, you know, you and me, we both have regular full-time jobs. 
Right. And we're both married. So, like, there's still that, you know, you still have a relationship that you got to maintain and handle. And, like, you know, from your perspective, you write and you draw. And, you know, you keep things in order. I write, you know, I do a lot of writing, you know, creations, you know, do some creating stuff, do some collabo stuff. Or, you know, keep a website organized. You keep a website organized. You know, we podcast. We edit. We do so much shit. Yeah. And, you know, and I think what a lot of people don't understand when they get this, you know, content, I think they don't understand the amount of work that's behind it. Exactly. Exactly. You you know, and I'm not saying everybody's like that. So that's why I like this whole, you know, why can't I have it for free thing sometimes kind of annoys people because it's like some people don't understand that there's a lot of work behind it. And there's a lot of work behind art and literature. And that's something I think this country has never truly pushed or make or made people understand is that there's work behind literature and there's work behind art. Nothing is instant. And we've never gotten that across. Right. I agree. It's funny though, because some people make it look really easy too. And those are the people that I want to punch in the fucking dick. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh man. There's so many things you just to do, and it's like I can't do it all. And I'm trying right. to teach. I'm trying to teach myself that, Dave, and it's just been hard for me. Well, you know that's the thing, though, is you, you can't. You're not going to conquer the world. You have to pick your battles, mm-hmm. and you have to focus on one. I mean, that was one thing that I, you know, my one word of advice when you started this thing was: don't spread yourself so thin that you get nothing done. And that's yeah. kind of what happens if you don't. Uh, focus and you know I mean the art of saying no the art of drawing lines and saying look I can't do this right now I have to wait um, you know I can offer all the fucking time and I'm like I, I just can't I cannot do that if I'm gonna try and get my shit done there is no way in hell uh, I'm gonna be able to do your book unless you pay me and then I might fucking take the time out you know right oh yeah and and that's something that I've honestly it clicked and back in De- it clicked back in December 2009. I just said, you know what, we gotta streamline this. So, so it's getting better. I'm still busy, but it's getting better though. You know what I mean? Right, right. Y- you know, I-, I can't do like a book like PKD Media Presents anymore. I can't do that anymore. It's just it's one, it's not profitable, and two, it's just trying to collab with that many people and keep everything on the same page is real difficult. And plus, a lot of people that you know that helped me put these books together, they got other stuff that they're working on too. So I kind of got to adjust to their schedules as well. So right. you know, it's just easier if I just stream, if I streamline this stuff and give you one big ass Mercury in the Mer trade and a nice size Agents of Cult trade and, and give you you know a book here or there in between. And I'm and I can't stress, you know what I mean? I just I can't. I just do what I honestly can. And and I'm man, I'm serious. I've really been learning to try to say no, and I think it's helped me out a lot. No, honey, I can't have sex with you tonight. No, 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 not in that aspect, though. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about when we're at conventions and you're talking to me. That's what oh, okay. I was saying. That, 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 that's, okay, I can deal well, with that. Then. then I definitely say yes, That Dave, that is correct. <laughs> <laughs> you are nuts. I know. Right. Where can people find out more about you and the Geek Savants uh, Space Time Condo and back in the day? Oh, boy. Okay, how about the main place that you can find my work is the Space Time Condo site. It's just spacetimecondo.com. Uh, it's got links to everything that I do. And, uh, you know, obviously I'm, on the, I'm a troll on the comic forums. And also 
Uh, geez, Savantland. Savantland is like the catch-all for all of the Geek Savant's work. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically just it, it. It's the hub for every everything that all of us do. So if you're interested in the Geek Savants or, or Super Ugly, Brian, Grant, uh, Josh, and then uh, Super Tom over at the Two Bit Podcasters, that's the place to go. So yeah, it's real simple. Two places, man. Word, word. I, I'm I'm down with that then. And now the people. Are down with it now granted i know a lot of people that listen to this show listen to y'all show so but for those that don't they need to peep the geek savants and they need to go read space time condo now just like you know my show is explicit so is the geek savants so you're dealing with grown folks podcasting you know? right right yeah and if you think that sean's bad no or you thought <laughs> this was bad if you thought this was vulgar no you, you have no idea <laughs> it's just the beginning baby just the beginning so, nice. But no, listen, no, seriously, Dave, thanks, man, for coming on the show. Uh, thanks for talking about supershowapproved.com. And um, thank you for your time, man. Oh, yeah, man. Always, man. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I mean, it seems like we talk to each other more and more as the show gets closer and closer. So, you know, glad to be on the show for sure. And that concludes this week's PKD Black Box. The PKD Black Box is available via iTunes, or you can go to pkdmedia.com to get our show, check out our form, and read comics like Mercury and the Murd, XO one on the Rock Solid Steel Bots, Agents of Colt, and Luke Foster's The Gang from the Store, six days a week for free. And if you're on iTunes or our forum board, drop us a line or email us at blackbox at pkdmedia.com. Thanks again for listening. Until then, dream big and hustle hard.